Chapter Twenty Nine of Dread: A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Dread, Chapter Twenty Nine, The Troubadour. About five o'clock in the evening, Nina and Anne amused themselves with setting a fancy tea-table on the veranda. Nina had gathered a quantity of the leaves of the live-oak, which she possessed a particular faculty of plaiting in long, flat wreaths, and with these she garlanded the social round-table, after it had been draped in its snowy damask, while Anne was busy arranging fruit in dishes with vine-leaves. Latisse will be in despair to-night, said Anne, looking up and smiling at a neatly dressed brown mulatto girl, who stood looking on with large, lustrous eyes. Her occupation's gone. Oh, Latisse must allow me to show my accomplishments, said Nina. There are some household arts that I have quite a talent for. If I had lived in what's-its-name there, that they used to tell about in the old times, Arcadia, I should have made a good housekeeper for nothing suits me better than making wreaths and arranging bouquets. My nature is dressy. I want to dress everything. I want to dress tables and dress vases and adorn dishes and dress handsome women, Anne. So look out for yourself, for when I have done crowning the table, I shall crown you. As Nina talked, she was flitting hither and thither, taking up and laying down flowers and leaves, shaking out long sprays, and fluttering from place to place like a bird. "'It's a pity,' said Anne, "'that life can't be all Arcadia.' "'Oh, yes,' said Nina. "'When I was a child, I remember there was an old torn translation of a book called Gessner's Idols that used to lie about the house, and I used to read in it the most charming little stories about handsome shepherds dressed in white, playing on silver and ivory flutes, and shepherdesses with azure mantles and floating hair, and people living on such delightful things as cool curds and milk, and grapes and strawberries and peaches, and there was no labor and no trouble and no dirt and no care. Everybody lived like the flowers and the birds, growing and singing and being beautiful. Ah, dear, I have never got over wanting it since. Why couldn't it be so? It's a thousand pities, said Anne, but what constant fight we have to maintain for order and beauty. Yes, said Nina, and what seems worse, beauty itself becomes dirt in a day. Now these roses that we are arranging, tomorrow or next day we shall call them litter and wish somebody would sweep them out of the way. But I never want to be the one to do that. I want someone to carry away the withered flowers and wash the soiled vases, but I want to be the one to cut the fresh roses every day. If I were in an association, I should take that for my part. I'd arrange all the flowers through the establishment, but I should stipulate expressly that I should do no clearing up. Well, said Anne, it's really a mystery to me what a constant downward tendency there is to everything— how everything is gravitating back, as you may say, into disorder. Now, I think a cleanly, sweet, tasteful house, and above all, table, are among the highest works of art. And yet, how everything attacks you when you set out to attain it. 
flies cockroaches ants mosquitoes and then it seems to be the fate of all human beings that they are constantly wearing out and disarranging and destroying all that is about them yes said nina i couldn't help thinking of that when we were at the camp meeting the first day i was perfectly charmed everything was so fresh so cool so dewy and sweet but by the end of the second day they had thrown eggshells and pea-pods and melon rinds and all sorts of abominations around among the tents and it was really shocking to contemplate how disgusting said anne now i'm one of that sort said nina that love order dearly but don't want the trouble of it myself my prime minister aunt katie thanks to mamma is an excellent hand to keep it and i encourage her in it with all my heart so that any part of the house where i don't go much is in beautiful order but bless me i should have to be made over again before i could do like aunt nesbit did you ever see her take a pair of gloves or a collar out of a drawer she gets up and walks so moderately across the room takes the key from under the napkin on the right side of the bureau unlocks the drawer as gravely as though she was going to offer a sacrifice then if her gloves are at the back side underneath something else she takes out one thing after another so moderately and then when the gloves or collar are found lays everything back exactly where it was before locks the drawer and puts the key back under the towel and all this she'd do if anybody was dying and she had to go for the doctor the consequence is that her room her drawers and everything are a standing sermon to me but i think i've got to be a much calmer person than i am before this will come to pass in my case i'm always in such a breeze and flutter i fly to my drawer and scatter things into little whirlwinds ribbons scarves flowers everything flies out in a perfect rainbow it seems as if i should die if i didn't get the thing i wanted that minute and after two or three such attacks on a drawer then comes repentance and a long time of rolling up and arranging and talking to little naughty nina who always promises herself to keep better order in future but my dear she doesn't do it i'm sorry to say though perhaps there are hopes of her in future tell me anne you are not stiff and pokey and yet you seem to be endowed with the gift of order how did it come about it was not natural to me i assure you said anne it was a second nature drilled into me by mamma mamma ah indeed said nina giving a sigh then you are very happy but come now latisse i've done with all these take them away my tea-table has risen out of them like the world out of chaos she said as she swept together a heap of rejected vines leaves and flowers ah i always have a repenting turn when i've done arranging vases to think i've picked so many more than were necessary the poor flowers droop their leaves and look at me reproachfully as if they said you didn't want us why couldn't you have left us alone oh said anne latisse will relieve you of that she has great talents in the floral line and out of these she will arrange quantities of bouquets she said as latisse blushing perceptibly through her brown skin stooped and swept up the rejected flowers into her apron what have we here said anne as dulcimer attired with most unusual care came bowing up the steps presenting a note on a waiter dear me how stylish 
gilt-edged paper smelling of myrrh and ambergris she continued as she broke the seal what's this the magnolia grove troubadours request the presence of mr and miss clayton and miss gordon at an operatic performance which will be given this evening at eight o'clock in the grove very well done i fancy some of my scholars have been busy with the writing dulcimer we shall be happy to come whereupon earth did he pick up those phrases said nina when he had departed oh said anne i told you that he was prime favorite of the former proprietor who used to take him with him wherever he travelled as some people sometimes will a pet monkey and i dare say he has lounged round the lobbies of many an opera house i told you that he was going to get up something what a delightful creature he must be said nina perhaps so to you said anne but he is a troublesome person to manage he is as wholly destitute of any moral organs as a jackdaw one sometimes questions whether these creatures have any more than a reflected mimicry of a human soul such as the german stories imagine in kobolds and water sprites all i can see in dulcimer is a kind of fun-loving animal he don't seem to have any moral nature perhaps said nina his moral nature is something like the cypress vine seeds which i planted three months ago and which have just come up well i believe edward expects to see it along one of these days said anne his faith in human nature is unbounded i think it is one of his foibles for my part but yet i try to have hopes of dulcimer that some day or other he will have some glimmering perceptions of the difference between a lie and the truth and between his own things and other people's at present he is the most lawless marauder on the place he has been so used to having his wit to cover a multitude of sins that it's difficult for a scolding to make any impression on him but hark isn't that a horse somebody's coming up the avenue both listened there are two said nina just at this instant clayton emerged to view accompanied by another rider who on nearer view turned out to be frank russell at the same instant the sound of violins and banjos was heard and to anne's surprise a gaily dressed procession of servants and children began to file out from the grove headed by dulcimer and several of his associates playing and singing there said anne didn't i tell you so there's the beginning of dulcimer's operations the air was one of those inexpressibly odd ones whose sharp metallic accuracy of rhythm seems to mark the delight which the negro race feel in that particular element of music the words as usual amounted to very little nina and anne could hear oh i see de massa's a comin up de track his horse heels do clatter with the clack 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 the idea conveyed in these lines being still further carried out by the regular clapping of hands at every accented note while every voice joined in the chorus sing boys sing de massa is come give three cheers for de good man at home ho he ho hurrah hurrah clayton acknowledged the compliment as he came up by bowing from his horse and the procession arranged itself in a kind of lane through which he and his companion rode up to the veranda upon my word said frank russell i wasn't prepared for such a demonstration quite a presidential reception when clayton came to the steps and dismounted a dozen sprang eagerly forward to take his horse and in the crowding round for a word of recognition the order of the procession was entirely broken 
after many kind words and inquiries in every direction for a few moments the people quietly retired leaving their master to his own enjoyments you really have made quite a triumphal entry said nina dulcimer always exhausts himself on all such occasions said anne so that he isn't capable of any further virtue for two or three weeks well take him while he is in flower then said russell but how perfectly cool and inviting you look really quite idyllic we must certainly have got into a fairy queen's castle but you must show us somewhere to shake the dust off our feet said clayton yes said anne there's aunt prow waiting to show you your room go and make yourselves as fascinating as you can in a little while the gentlemen returned in fresh white linen suits and the business of the tea-table proceeded with alacrity well now said anne after tea looking at her watch i must inform the company that we are all engaged to the opera this evening yes said nina the magnolia grove opera house is to be opened and the magnolia troubadour troupe to appear for the first time at this moment they were surprised by the appearance below the veranda of dulcimer with three of his colored associates all wearing white ribbons in their buttonholes and carrying white wands tied with satin ribbons and gravely arranged themselves two and two on each side of the steps why dulcimer what's this said clayton dulcimer bowed with the gravity of a raven and announced that the committee had come to wait on the gentlemen and ladies to their seats oh said anne we were not prepared for our part of the play what a pity i didn't bring my opera hat said nina never mind she said snatching a spray of multiflora rose this will do and she gave it one twist round her head and her toilette was complete Pon my word that's soon done said frank russell as he watched the coronet of half-opened buds and roses yes said nina sit down anne i forgot your crown there wait a moment let me turn this leaf a little and weave these buds in here so now you are the baltimore belle to be sure now for the procession the opera house for the evening was an open space in the grove behind the house lamps had been hung up in the trees twinkling on the glossy foliage a sort of booth or arbor was built of flowers and leaves at one end to which the party were marshalled in great state between two magnolia trees a white curtain was hung up and the moment the family party made their appearance a chorus of voices from behind the scenes began an animated song of welcome as soon as the party was seated a curtain rose and the chorus consisting of about thirty of the best singers males and females came forward dressed in their best holiday costume singing and keeping step as they sung and bearing in their hands bouquets which as they marched round the circle they threw at the feet of the company a wreath of orange blossoms was significantly directed at nina and fell right into her lap these people seem to have had their eyes open coming events cast their shadows before said russell after walking around the chorus seated themselves at the side of the area and the space behind was filled up with a dense sea of heads all the servants and plantation hands i declare said russell looking round on the crowd of dark faces this sable cloud is turning a silver lining with a witness how neat and pretty that row of children look 
and as they spoke a procession of the children from anne's school came filing round in the same manner that the others had done singing their school songs and casting flowers before the company after this they seated themselves on low seats in front of all the others dulcimer and four of his companions now came into the centre there said anne dulcimer is going to be the centrepiece he is the troubadour dulcimer in fact commenced a kind of recitative to the tune masters in the cold cold ground after singing a few lines the quartet took up the chorus and their voices were really magnificent why said nina it seems to me they are beginning in a very doleful way oh said anne wait a minute this is the old master i fancy we shall soon hear the tune changed and accordingly dulcimer striking into a new tune began to rehearse the coming in of a new master there said anne now for a catalogue of edward's virtues they must all be got down rhyme or no rhyme dulcimer kept on rehearsing every four lines the quartet struck in with the chorus which was then repeated by the whole company clapping their hands and stamping their feet to the time with great vivacity now anne is coming your turn said nina as dulcimer launched out in most high-flown strains on the beauty of miss anne yes said clayton the catalogue of your virtues will be something extensive i shall escape at any rate said nina don't you be too sure said anne dulcimer has had his eye on you ever since you've been here and true enough after the next stanza dulcimer assumed a peculiarly meaning expression there said anne do see the wretch flirting himself out like a saucy crow it's coming now look out nina with a waggish expression from the corner of his downcast eyes he sung oh massa is often absent do you know where he goes he goes to north carolina for de north carolina rose there you are said frank russell do you see the grin going round what a lot of ivory they are coming in this chorus strong and the whole assembly with great animation poured out on the chorus oh de north carolina rose oh de north carolina rose we wish good luck to massa with de north carolina rose this chorus was repeated with enthusiasm clapping of hands and laughing i think the north carolina rose ought to rise said russell oh hush said anne dulcimer hasn't done yet assuming an attitude dulcimer turned and sang to one of his associates in the quartet oh i see two stars arising up in de shady skies to which the other responded with animation no boy you are mistaken tis the light of her fair eyes that's thorough at any rate said russell while dulcimer went on oh i see two roses blooming together on one bed and the other responded no boy you are mistaken dem are her cheeks so red and they are getting redder said anne tapping nina with her fan dulcimer is evidently laying out his strength upon you nina dulcimer went on singing oh i see a grapevine running with its curly rings up there and the response no boy you are mistaken tis her rings of curly hair and the quartet here struck up oh she walks on de veranda and she laughs out of de dough and she dances like de sunshine across de parlor flow her little feet day patter like the rain upon the flowers and her laugh is like sweet waters 
through all the summer hours. Dulcimer has had some help from some of the muses along there, said Clayton, looking at Anne. Hush, said Anne, hear the chorus. Oh, de North Carolina rose, oh, de North Carolina rose, oh, plant by our veranda, de North Carolina rose. This chorus was repeated with three times three, and the whole assembly broke into a general laugh when the performers bowed and retired, and the white sheet, which was fastened by a pulley to the limb of the tree, was let down again. Now come in, confess, that wasn't all Dulcimer's work, said Clayton. Well, to tell you the truth, said Anne, twas got up between him and Latisse, who has a natural turn for versifying, quite extraordinary. If I chose to encourage and push her on, she might turn out to be a second Phyllis Wheatley. Dulcimer and his coadjutors now came around, bearing trays with lemonade, cake, sliced pineapples, and some other fruits. Well, on my word, said Russell, this is quite prettily got up. Oh, I think, said Clayton, the African race evidently are made to excel in that department which lies between the sensuous and the intellectual, what we call the elegant arts. These require rich and abundant animal nature, such as they possess, and if ever they become highly civilized, they will excel in music, dancing, and elocution. I have often noticed in my scholars, said Anne, how readily they seize upon anything which pertains to the department of music and language. The Negroes are sometimes laughed at for mispronouncing words, which they will do in a very droll manner, but it's only because they are so taken with the sounds of words that they will try to pronounce beyond the sphere of their understanding, like bright children. Some of these voices are perfectly splendid, said Russell. Yes, said Anne, we have one or two girls on the place who have that rich contralto voice, which, I think, is oftener to be found among them than among whites. The Ethiopian race is a slow-growing plant, like the aloe, said Clayton, but I hope some of these days they'll come into flower, and I think if they ever do, the blossoming will be gorgeous. That will do for a poet's expectation, said Russell. The performance now gave place to a regular dancing party, which went on with great animation, yet decorum. Religious people, said Clayton, who have instructed the Negroes, I think have wasted a great deal of their energy in persuading them to give up dancing and singing songs. I tried to regulate the propensity. There is no use in trying to make the Negroes into Anglo-Saxons, any more than making a grapevine into a pear tree. I train the grapevine. Behold, said Russell, the successful champion of Negro rights. Not so very successful, said Clayton. I suppose you've heard my case has been appealed, so that my victory isn't so certain after all. Oh, said Nana, yes, it must be. I'm sure no person of common sense would decide any other way, and your own father is one of the judges, too. That will only make him the more careful not to be influenced in my favor, said Clayton. The dancing now broke up, and the servants dispersed in an orderly manner, and the company returned to the veranda, which lay pleasantly checkered with the light of the moon falling through trailing vines. The air was full of those occasional pulsations of fragrance which rise in the evening from flowers. "'Oh, how delightful!' said Nina. "'This fragrance of the honeysuckles. I have a perfect passion for perfumes. They seem to me like spirits in the air.' Yes, said Clayton, Lord Bacon says, 
that the breath of flowers comes and goes in the air like the warbling of music did lord bacon say that said nina in a tone of surprise yes why not oh i thought he was one of those musty old philosophers who never thought of anything pretty well said clayton then to-morrow let me read you his essay on gardens and you'll find musty old philosophers often do think of pretty things it was lord bacon said anne who always wanted musicians playing in the next room while he was composing he did said nina why how delightful of him i think i should like to hear some of his essays there are some minds said clayton large enough to take in everything such men can talk as prettily of a ring on a lady's finger as they can wisely on the course of the planets nothing escapes them that's the kind of man you ought to have for a lover anne said nina laughing you have weight enough to risk it i'm such a little whisk of thistledown that it would annihilate me such a ponderous weight of wisdom attached to me would drag me under water and drown me i should let go my line i think if i felt such a fish bite you are tolerably safe in our times said clayton nature only sends such men once in a century or two they are the road-makers for the rest of the world they are quarry-masters that quarry out marble enough for a generation to work upon well said nina i shouldn't want to be a quarry-master's wife i should be afraid that some of his blocks would fall on me why wouldn't you like it if he were wholly your slave said frank russell it would be like having the genius of the lamp at your feet ah if i could keep him my slave but i'm afraid he'd outwit me at last such a man would soon put me on the shelf for a book to read though i've seen some great men i mean great for our times and they didn't seem to care half as much for their wives as they did for a newspaper oh said anne that's past praying for with any husband the newspaper is the standard rival of the american lady it must be a warm lover that can be attracted from that even before he is secure of his prize you are severe miss anne said russell she only speaks the truth said nina you men are a bad set you are a kind of necessary evil half civilized at best but if ever i set up an establishment i shall insist upon taking precedence of the newspaper this ends chapter twenty nine the troubadour